through Colossians chapter 2. I continue that. And we're going to be looking at verse 8. And the question we'll be dealing with is uh, how we should feel about philosophy, science, um, how we should engage these things that, frankly, we deal with on a daily basis. Uh, G.K. Chesterton has one of my favorite lines of all time. Uh, he says, when, when man ceases to worship God, he does not worship nothing, but worships anything. When man ceases to worship God, he does not worship nothing, but worships anything. And certainly, that can be uh, the case when it comes to philosophy and science. Now, just to review a little bit, last week we uh, looked at Colossians 2, 6, and 7, and we saw really kind of a cycle of the Christian life, and it was more, rather than this linear thing, it was this circular thing. And uh, we saw that it you know, began with receiving and continued with growing and then resulted in going, but that that receiving is always the fuel. Receiving of God's grace and in Christ is the fuel for us. And, uh, and so the church, in many ways, is lauded by Paul in Colossae, but they do face threats. And, uh, and in verse 8 of chapter 2, you can sense the threat that they're dealing with, and the threat seems to be coming from the land of philosophy. Now, as you probably know, philosophy sort of became philosophy with all caps in that part of the world not long before the time of Christ. Not far from their area, Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, morons, some of you will get that reference, taught and influenced scores of others to enjoy and entertain the life of the mind. Uh, and as different thinkers came up, uh, reaching back and forth to one another, different views of the world sprang, uh, sprang up, and so you had Stoicism and Hedonism and Epicureanism and all sorts of other schools of philosophy springing up around the church at that time, and they were all vying for attention and adherence by the people in the Greco-Roman world. And, and yet, as different as all, these different as all these views were, they tended to agree on one thing in the Greco-Roman world when it came to philosophical and, frankly, scientific ideas, and that was this. Matter, material, the stuff that you and I are, physically, was always seen as evil. As a matter of fact, it was seen as the reason for the problems in our world, that if we could just, if we could just escape this, this body, then we'd be fine. Our soul was the good, redeemable part of us, but this body is what was the problem. And here the Christian church comes into this world saturated in this anti-matter thinking and says, hey, God, the, the God of the whole universe, um, actually took on flesh, became one of us. And the Greco-Roman world says, say that again. That sounds crazy, like God would never condescend to take on flesh because flesh is evil. And the Christians would insist, yes, he took on flesh. He doesn't abhor flesh in and of itself. As a matter of fact, he honors it by taking it as his own. He really becomes a man. And, well, this caused quite a stir. The philosophical world had a very big problem with this. You can see the re their reaction in some cases in the book of Acts, especially Acts 17. Um, so, we come to the verse for today, Colossians 2.8. And Paul just says this, when thinking about how to deal with philosophical slash scientific arguments that come our way, he says this, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, 
according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. End of reading. Now, as I read these verses, I can't help but think of the different ways Christians have decided to engage philosophy or science throughout history. And using texts like our verse, I think I've heard basically people make the case for three ways of dealing with the ideas that come at us. The first one that unfortunately I've seen a lot is that Christians just run away. We just retreat. The first way to deal with it is just not to deal with it at all. You know, this is worldly, this is evil, we don't have to deal with it. And so if somebody comes to you with questions, uh, the first response is, well, you know, why are you asking such a question? You know, just believe. I find this to be the worst of all possibilities. I think it's the most unbiblical way of dealing with an argument. I'm a big fan in my own church of encouraging people to freely ask any question that comes to their mind because we ought not be afraid of truth. All truth is God's truth. And it doesn't matter what conduit that truth may come from if it's expressing the truth that God has revealed in the scriptures, then we can say amen, even if it's coming from someone who might disagree with us on a whole host of other things. So we ought not run away, we ought not retreat, we ought to engage. So First uh, Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So when the world attacks the Christian faith, part of our job is to defend it, not to run from it. Now, granted, not everyone is gifted as an apologist, and that's not what I'm saying you have to be, but all I am saying is that you shouldn't be scared of the big, bad, philosophical wolf, or for that matter, science. You, sh you don't have to be afraid of that. Uh, there's nothing to run from. Uh, the second way I've seen people deal with uh, philosophical ideas or scientific ideas is to basically compromise on our uh, doctrine, our beliefs. Uh, I've seen many people do this as well, to bend and twist uh, Christian morality or Christian doctrine as much as humanly possible so that we can fit into the, the parameters of polite philosophical academic company. And look, I don't think that this attitude is all bad. I think that there's a time where we should be open to, uh, to the possibility that we might not have everything right, okay? Uh, so science does inform areas in our theology historically where we've been wrong. That is true. This is what happened with the Copernican Revolution. Unfortunately, if you look back at some of my heroes, some of the great reformers, they were wrong. They just were. And so we have to be, sometimes we're wrong. But that does not mean that we compromise willy-nilly on the core essentials of the Christian faith. Some things we have to absolutely say, no, we're not going to bend the knee on that. No matter what the philosophical world says to us, no matter what the scientific world says to us, we have to say, no, it might seem what you're saying right now is true, but the fact is I'm not going to say that Christ didn't rise from the dead. That's essential. That's a core belief of the Christian faith. We're not going to bend the knee on what it is to be a Christian. 
I say all this because I've known some Christians who so want to be accepted by the academy that by the time they're done writing their dissertation on, you know, quote-unquote Christian thought, they don't have any of it left. Uh, they have <laughs> I've, known this. I've known people in this scenario. Um, again, I think our faith is reasonable and defensible and philosophically sound, but at the same time, there are just some things we can't explain that we accept because God's Word, God's Word teaches them. So, for example, scientifically, philosophically, I don't know how to explain to you the two natures of Christ or the Trinity or the virgin birth. I don't know how to explain that. So I agree with people where I can on the scientific and philosophical level, and yet there's some areas, there's some areas where I go, no, I accept it by faith. I don't know how to explain it, but I believe it because uh, the scriptures teach it very clearly. Uh, then the third reaction that I see to philosophical and scientific ideas is to engage, but not according to the other person's rules. And I think this is the idea that the scriptures give us. I think this is the healthiest way to engage the philosophy of this world. Uh, Paul simply says at the very end of verse 8, don't be held captive to it, but measure everything you hear against Christ, according to Christ. What does that mean? On the one hand, don't be afraid to engage it. Feel free, feel free to read Nietzsche and Heidegger and Sartre and Derrida and Rorty or whomever else is out there contrary to Christ. Feel free to read them. I, I think that you can actually get a lot from these guys. A lot of the time they are helpful in clarifying our own positions. Don't be afraid of what the world throws at you. All truth is God's truth, period. Um, matter of fact, I, I wish that more Christians were familiar with the ideas, but here's the key. Always just remember to compare what they're saying to what Christ says in his word. Look to the word to guide you in your response to the, the idea being presented. How does it match up? Where does it differ? Submit to the word, but don't retreat. And then engage, 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 befriend, befriend, befriend. And indeed, you don't have to be afraid of philosophy, science, or any other big idea thrown at you. So, all right, with that, that's our devotion for uh, Friday.